I'm okay with the events that are unfolding currently. That's okay. Things are going to be okay. So it's recording now, and you're now listening to the Enter VR podcast. Most of the time, this podcast is about virtual reality, but today, fuck it. We're going to talk about something else. All, all sorts of other shit that could be really interesting. And today, I'm joined by Dan Corkum. Corkum, C-O-R-K-U-M. And Dan, what are you up to these days? Um, office hunting, building robots, uh, looking at candidates and hiring such, where uh, we build a, um, I'm from Carbon Robotics with a low-cost robotic arm has capabilities of an industrial robot with the price of a laptop. And um, yeah, that's uh, kind of my deal. You say it so casually. You say it so casually. Like, <laughs> we, have a, we have a robot, industrial, industrial grade robot, mm-hmm. that is the price of a laptop. Yes. Like that is, that's, that's insane. Um, how's that coming along so far? Uh, really, really awesome. I mean, we have, like a lot of the core engineering has been done like on the hardware side. We're working more on the software aspects now. and like getting out into the field with some manufacturers and from um, and you know other like electronic suppliers and things like that. But one of the areas we're really, really, really excited about it is how we can bring this kind of this kind of technology to to more people. And to people that have never, you know, been able to work with robots before. Because right now like you want to get a, a robotic arm and I don't mean like a you know a toy Arduino kit or something like that. Something that can do real work and do it in the, you know the same way each time. You know, that's a professional arm that costs like $20,000, $40,000. And on top of that, like the programming of these things is a freaking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Um, it is like, like if you're using a KUKA, KUKAs are the most popular, um, one, of the, one, of the most, one of the most popular like industrial robots in the world. You know, the big things that you'll see in Tesla factories and at GM plants, like, and they make small ones too, but all of them use, you know, you program them in KRL. KUKA robot language. You can go to KUKA College in Michigan to learn KRL. It's a step away from assembly. Huh. Like you don't get variables and shit. Like it's it's huh. not it's it's not really a developer friendly environment. Yeah, this is not accessible yeah. at all. And this is also assuming that you have like three phase two hundred and forty volt power like wherever you want to work. Wow. Um, which is you know not most people. How do you get that much power? Because so because the robot arm needs. You oh, know, most most robot arms would need that. We we built ours to you know to be able to plug into a wall or run off batteries. Okay. Um, that said, like the office we're looking at has like a six hundred amp breaker. Like it's it's a <laughs> it's an industrial space. Nice. So, um, but the idea is to like take those industrial technologies and those industrial superpowers and give them to people that that know Python, that know how to like make a web app. Um, we are really really excited about VR as an interface for robots because you know this is. There's some like this realization we had a while back that you know the, the reason we, we code is to translate our thoughts you know into into a, into a language you know, machines can understand to communicate intent to a machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but with robotics, the the output is kinematic. It's always going to be motions. Um, yes, there's a logical component, and there's things you can do to kind of um, to bring that into visual metaphors. But at the end of the day, a lot of robotics programming is pretty clunky because very often you're trying to um, to deal with, to, to use code to translate into actions, into motions, and to orientations. Mm-hmm. And and the great thing is, you know, with most programs, the output is eventually logical. Mm-hmm. It's still this, it's still some sort of logical output. Um, but with robots, you know, the output is kinematic, which means, you know, there's not 
necessarily a reason that you have to have the metaphor switching, that you have to have a, you know, a code input into it. Instead, why not program the robot you know, using a kinematic interface like VR, mm -hmm. like something like the controllers for the Rift. It was actually, um, it was you guys that like, that made us have this realization. I remember it was like the first time we were showing, uh, my co-founder was on the, um, the Rift and she was playing with the controllers. And it was, it was less the, the, the HMD, like we played with a lot of HMDs going like way back to like the 2005, like arcade game type things. Mm -hmm. um, and like the, the HMDs have gotten so much better because it was those controllers. Yeah. It was the, and Rosanna was like, Shine, like, you have to try this right now. I'm like, I'm coding. And like, like, no, this is going to change robotics. And like, fine, let's see what changes robotics. And I go, oh, shh. Then I put on the headset, you like, you know, hand me the controllers. And it's like, oh, shit. Like, yep, she's right. Like, this is this is a viable input mechanism. This is not just, you know, and not just for games. Because I was, I was thinking about how can we make, like, I'm thinking about everything in terms of robots. Yeah. And I, you know, grab this controller. I was like, you know, this, this is how people are going to interact with robots 50 years from now, yeah. um, maybe 20 years from now, maybe a year if we, if we go fast enough. Hopefully, um, hopefully. Yeah, yeah and, and not just, um, and, and not just for, uh, you know, for the programming, but also for like teleoperation, mm -hmm. to be able to like, hey, there's a problem in the factory, like in China, why don't I, instead of like flying over there as you have to do right now, just put on a headset. And you know, remote in and take control of that. One second, my girlfriend is calling me, and I, this is completely, so totally unprofessional. Hey, Mel, I'm recording a podcast. What's up? Uh, yes, please. The question to dinner is always yes. Always assume yes. I want dinner, please. Um, so thank, thank you. I gotta go. Bye. Okay, sorry about that. That is extremely unprofessional. <laughs> here, let me take this conversation. Okay, so yeah. so you're like blowing my mind. You're blowing my mind here because this 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 stuff is like it's it's the stuff that I've been hearing that I've been talking about like how how VR and all these technologies intersect. Yeah, you know, and it, and I think it's when um, when people like you and and, and and people like us that are working into these seemingly desperate. Uh, you know, verticals to use that word, or yeah. disparate uh, industries, and then all of a sudden we're like next to each other, and you and then we get to see like, holy crap, this is the, <laughs> you know, we can merge, we can see the future of telerobotics, yeah. basically, uh, because you we both have both technologies right next to each other, and it's just insane. I mean, my my thinking is, and the proposal was that at some point um, our team was going to try to convince you guys to start a uh, asteroid mining company together. Um, because there's trillions of dollars to be made, my friend. And we use the VR, you guys. Just just a, a sample name, Wayland yutani Where did that come from? I, I like it, but tell me more. Well, that's the Wayland yutani resource company. They were um, in Aliens. Oh, uh, oh okay. I think. I hope I'm getting my references right. Okay. I don't want to lose credit. Well, we're, that's that's in the running up for uh, with Space Cowboy Industries. <laughs> one of the two. Which one of the other I'm all for it. Um, yeah, we got a huge like nanofiber lasso and just. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what is it? so in Brussels and asteroids? <laughs> yes. <laughs> What's the state of like autonomous robots at this point? Like in specifically with you guys, and but just in general as well. Autonomous. Um, that's that's a, a tough question because autonomous has a lot of different meanings. Mm -hmm. um, right now, it's uh, like there there are robots which can you know operate around people, which basically means avoid people while still like getting from one point to another. Um, we're seeing a lot more of these you know autonomous autonomous 
functions being moved into le less like less instances where you'll have the robot doing a task completely on its own and more um, making it easier for an operator to to control the robot or taking or taking more steps out of the programming essentially. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of it is coming back down to. Like there's you're not getting like general intelligence. You're not getting like, hey robot, you know, make me a sandwich or or deliver this package. I need mean, getting that sort of now. Um, but it's more like, you know, go from point A to point B and I don't want to have to worry about how you do it. Mm -hmm. um, or you know, move this object from here to there, and I don't want to have to necessarily you know, work out all the kinematics and work out all the. And this is actually something that, you know, bring it back to VR a little bit. Mm -hmm. One, one area where, um, you know, where I see like VR is as absurdly powerful is in communicating very complicated concepts, mathematically complicated con concepts, to people in a way that is super intuitive. Mm -hmm. And then you know, on the flip side, letting people. Integrate, um, interact with these complicated constructs and complicated concepts in a way that's super intuitive. And you know, a great example is, is control theory. Um, the math behind getting a you know making a robotic arm catch a ball is ferociously complicated. Hmm. Um, it takes a lot of processing power, a lot of real-time control. You have to probably build specialized hardware to be able to you know get signals in and out that fast. Um, and it will, you know, almost, you know, in the state of the art that controllers will barely be able to do that task, like as well as you know a twelve-year-old kid. Um, but you know, a twelve-year-old kid can learn controls so freaking fast because it's because we're, our brains are wired for for that kind of visual data, and our bodies are wired for that kind of um, that kind of output. And that's doing those, those physical motions and understanding that on a deep, intuitive level, and building the structures we need, like in our own minds, to you know, to do that computation to figure out. You know, given the trajectory of that, you know, that ball, I need to move my arm in this way at this pace, and you know, and move my hand with the ball as I catch it, mm -hmm. and do that all in three-dimensional space while doing, you know, individual coordinate transforms in every single joint in my fingers and my wrists and my elbow, and like, like that's a lot of shit happening. Yeah. But you pull that into a physical medium, and and people are brilliant at it, are so good at it, um, and. And one way that like you know that autonomy factors into robots more now is is making more things essentially thoughtless. You know things you know getting getting reducing the number of steps between you know intent and action. And um, and I, I see like you know the, the algorithms that are driving machine learning right now you know are largely assistive. Um, but you know and you know, if you were to combine you know, some of these autonomous functions we have. With a VR interface, like you are getting, it's it's further reducing the number of steps between intent and action, and like that's that's one thing that like really 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 excites me, mm -hmm. and where I see more and more robotics sort of moving towards as we go forward. Yeah, I think um, and God, the possibilities are endless. Yeah, <laughs> that's the thing. Like it's it like every in you know every aspect of human life, every job that you can think of. Um, you we could essentially you know supplement with you know and it can start with supplementing but yeah. eventually it's going to become become it you know i think um you know anywhere from dangerous jobs uh that's the easy stuff yeah you know it, and then and then shitty jobs that's all that's also easy and the three d's of you know robotics is dull dirty dangerous double dull dull dirty, dirty dangerous. dangerous like those are the jobs which are going to be roboticized first the ones that are repetitive and mindless and no one wants to do. The ones that are, um, you know, 
that you don't want that people don't want to be dealing with because they're too dirty mm-hmm. and things which are you know put an operator um, you know in peril. Yeah. And that has been you know in, in America those are the jobs that were you know the first to be automated and the first to. There's a dude named um, what was his name Roe something Roe. Uh-huh. Um, He's a, he's like the the co-host of Dirty Jobs, uh-huh. and um, he's a he's he's a cool dude. Like I, I dig his style, but he goes around telling people that. Um, and and I don't know how much to what degree I agree with him, but he's like he's going around telling people he's like, listen, we we have enough Steve Jobs in the world, or we have enough Elon Musk. You know, we needed more carpenters, and we need more you know janitors, and we need more people who are just gonna like buckle down. And to say to themselves, "Fuck my dreams! I need to work for society." Like, like that is some Protestant bullshit. It's that's I, some fucking. I, like, I like, might I might be sort of like putting. I hope I'm not putting words in my, his mouth, but I think that it's the uh, that's sort of the essence of his message. That like you, you know, stop worrying about your dreams. You know, it, it, playtime is over, kiddies. Uh, adult up already, and yeah. go do these jobs that need to be done anyways. I mean, th- there's a lot to be said for realism, but I am a I am. I do not believe there is inherent virtue in suffering. Mm. I do not believe there is inherent virtue in toil. I have a lot of respect for somebody that that will suffer and that will toil and will sacrifice for something. I have an enormous amount of respect for that. Um, but but the the pain is not a does does not have its own inherent value. There's no if we can you know if it if it you know takes if you're like mining or something and you are you know, you have to, and that's a bad example. Um, if, like, if there, there's, there, like, leather production used to be incredibly, you know, just freaking god awful. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there is, you know, it was manually, you know, incredibly laborious, you know, scraping and, you know, and a lot of, like, you know, pulling of, you know, and stretching hides, and then you would, Dunk them in these enormous pools of communal shit and urine, because that's where the you know the only place the Romans that could get chemicals to actually activate the tanning process. Holy shit! And these entire times, the towns would fucking reek, and and people would have to like all these slaves would have to like stomp on these animal hides, and then that on top of that, thousands of fucking animals are dying um, to get this you know this product, and and which ended up being very very nice. There's all that fucking shit that went into it, um, but then we started to remove those processes, and there's not there's not less value to the end product because you know fewer people died along the way, or because there was less misery and suffering along the way. If someone you know, and there's people you know downstairs from us right now working on synthetic or, or synthetic leather made from mushrooms. Oh shit! And like I know. Holy shit! Yeah, they're doing everything with these mushrooms. They're, those mushrooms are in hats. They're in like building blocks, and now they're like in shoes. And I'm like, wow. And like I, I see leather made out of mushrooms, and I don't think like, oh, that's like worse leather. Like no, that's fucking better. Mm-hmm. Like, you mean some? You mean somebody didn't have to die for that? Mm-hmm. And like no one had to like fucking suffer for that? Like I am. That that is objectively better. Yes. And people now believe that like, you know, like like this. It's, it's all this, this Protestant bullshit. But like guilty pleasures, or like anything. Anything, it's this weird fucked up thing where like the things that are pleasurable are therefore sin- sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like, the reverse of that is that, you know, that pain is is virtuous. It's why I stopped being a Catholic. I just couldn't stand not feeling so, every time I masturbated, I just couldn't stand <laughs> feeling so guilty for it. I was I like, God, I hate myself. And I after a while, I was like, I need to, dude, I, you know, I need to, 
My penis wins. <laughs> at the end of the, the, end end of the this round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't need this god. <laughs> I need release. So yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's I, I, I definitely see I definitely see your view there. Like there, you know, but but all right, let's get a little philosophical because yeah. you know, when is suffering valuable? I mean and and, and I guess isn't life dualistic in that sense? Like, how can we experience joy, pure joy, if we don't feel the counter to that, you know? Easily. Like, you know, during the day, it's the, the sun's out. It's bright all day. Like, the, it, like, not experiencing night doesn't, you know, mean the day doesn't exist. Um, and, and again, I, 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 I firmly reject the, the notion that we, we need suffering to have joy. Mm-hmm. That we need that, and, or, and especially that that suffering is, is virtuous or suffering has value in and of itself. Yeah. Um, another example would be, you know, would be childbirth. Like if, if I was a woman, I would, I'd take the fucking epidural every single fucking time. And like, if someone said like, you know, the, the you know, like, Oh, like, you know, it's good to the mother. Cause like, you didn't like feel excruciating pain and your body being ripped up open. Like, fuck you. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Yeah. Like that, that pain does not, if it has value to you, fine. Go for it. But like, as a, there's, there's, I don't, I don't think you can say that there's an inherent value in misery. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, and this is, you know, it, it, whether it's like, you know, can we enjoy the greatest things in life that I'm suffering? Can we have, you know, light without the darkness? Um, or can we have, like, like, there are, pe- there are people that believe, like, how can we have, you know, yeah, how can people enjoy being rich if there aren't people that are, that are poor? Yeah. If, how can you enjoy being stable if there, you don't see people suffering? Like, I... I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I don't accept that premise, and and I really wish people would stop like pushing that shit. What is? Show me, show me the. What is the alternative culture? Because this is this is the cultural paradigm where. Yes. You know, yes. So what would an alternative culture look like? It's it's the alter. It. I mean, we say that like we're in this, but like that is our our Western viewpoint. Our mm-hmm. I I don't know deeply enough another culture that is and certainly like I would say all of Europe is less fucked up about you know about suffering than we are yeah um there are certainly less hang-ups about sex like when I think about you know people in like Denmark and Finland like they will not say the word guilty pleasure huh like that's just it's not a concept pleasure is pleasure yeah it's just like that and go ahead like that there aren't as like the, the, the social taboo i Things are changing right now. Like there's there's a backlash happening. There's a you know people, there's a you know a lot of conservative movements who are saying like you know no we need to go return to traditional values, return to you know Lutheranism or, or you know whatever shade of Catholicism or whatever the um, you know the other factors were there. Um, and so like I, I, I think like that aspect of Americanism is is spreading. Um, but I think that you know for a very long time you know. This European model, like, hey, we're all in together. Let's all, you know, collectively invest so that we collectively prosper. Mm-hmm. Um, was, you know, very, very vibrant and very powerful. It breaks my heart to see some of those institutions being torn down. Yeah, this this is an interesting this is an interesting subject because I, because I feel like I've been witnessing the same thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I wonder if um, or maybe this. Maybe this phenomena has nothing to do with it, but it is an interesting phenomena. I don't know if you saw the latest poll about how uh, the millennial generation is having less sex yeah. than any generation before it. Yeah. And I wonder if it's, 
I, I wonder what, what you know. What are the what could it be? Could it be that we're always on our phone and we forgot <laughs> how to connect human to human? Could it be that we that you you are seeing this rise of conservatism and you know this sex shaming and shit like, um, and that could be having an impact. Could it be, you know, uh, could, could it be Pokemon Go? Fucking Pokemon Go. <laughs> it's not cell phones. It's not fucking Pokemon. You know, in in the not even Victorian, like in the Edwardian ages, mm-hmm. like newspapers were 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 writing articles about how kids were spending too much fucking time with books, with their goddamn books, instead of sewing and, like, drawing and, I don't know, hunting or whatever the fuck they did, like, <laughs> making soup. And then this is, like, a, like, and, and it was this, like, moral panic is nothing new. Yeah. And, and it, it was, you know, at one point it was books, before that it was, you know, fucking horses, and, you know, before that it was, like, you know, August spending way too much time with fire. Like, no. I mean, that's, the fabric there is not is not unraveling because of a device. It's so, the it's like the general amount of, of misery and insecurity though among our generation is so much higher than, than anyone else. We're more insecure. Is there more insecure? Like how how the fuck is someone supposed to be like like it's it's no it's no shock to me that people are having less sex when when they when more people are having a hard time finding an apartment. When more people are having a hard time making ends meet, when more people are seeing like no real career to their, their advancement, and you know, we're the first generation for a long time that has it worse than our parents. Yeah. And and like to to judge people against that and to expect them to be like when people are miserable, you know, they're miserable. That's just like that's how things work out. And like yeah. I don't a lot of the world's like ills today, I think, boil down to inequality. Mm-hmm. I do not think, and, and this is you know, on a national level, this is on a local community level, but I think it's it's also on a global level. You know, I don't think we would have, be having problems with terrorism, with Islamic extremism. You know, if if people in you know in Kandahar, people in in you know across the Middle East had good lives. Mm-hmm. You know, if if the quality of life in Pakistan was let's not even say like American, just like a lot better than being like a fucking bricklayer. Mm. Um, like if, if the, the people who are, who are joining these organizations, they, they see no other way out. Mm. They see like it's it's the best available option. And when you have when you have nothing, you get angry. Mm. And when you see other people with tons, you get angry. I mean, this is what we're seeing in Brazil with the Olympics. Yeah. Like, yeah. did you see the picture of the mayor like that was trying to run with the torch, and then people were like, it's just he just it was just. And, he, and it was so sad because you see him trying to run to the torch and you see his two little girls, you know, trying to like, you know, run with him. But they're like crying because there's just this giant crowd of protesters oh saying, fuck off, you know. I mean, it is. And, and you know what it is? It seems like, ah, God, it's just, it's just, it could be, it could, in the Middle East, at least it could be that. Um, mm-hmm. But it could also be toxoplasmosis. <laughs> I have a friend, I have a really good friend who's mm-hmm. really smart. And he's like, he was just telling me, he's like, listen, man, 70 to 80% of the people in the Middle East suffer from toxoplasmosis and they have no fucking clue that they do. And the symptoms, and by the way, for those who don't know what toxoplasmosis is, it's a, it's a virus. It's toxoplasmosis is Gandhi. It's a parasite. It's a parasite that yeah. cats carry. Yes. And, and then if you, and then, and then if, it, if you like get a whiff of it or if you touch mm-hmm. a cat, like it'll pass on to you. And what it does, it makes you, you, need, you need a cut. 
you need a um, you need some transmission. Like that's usually that can be used to be called like cat scratch fever, uh, or if you're handling especially their feces or things which are touched their feces. Oh, okay. So, but but it's still like seventy percent of the population. And it's insane. It's yeah. insane. And what happens with people that suffer from toxoplasmosis? It's, it's they also call it the crazy cat lady sy- syndrome. Yeah. Like I mean, that's that's there, there is truth to that crazy cat lady because the, you the parasite makes you more attractive to cats, mm-hmm. but it also reduces your impulse control. Yeah. Um, and it does all sorts of other shit to your brain that, like, you know, other people don't have to worry about. And, you know, and I think they should really have a serious conversation. Like, guys, I think we all have this fucking toxoplasmosis that's making us trigger happy. We do, too. But I don't know if it's at the same rate. I don't think there's a virus or a parasite which causes terrorism. Like, I think it plays a role. In I, could, I could see that. And I, I have definitely, like, I think there's... I think there is a high comorbid, comorbid, comorbidity of toxoplasmosis gondii behaviors like hoarding. Um, and there definitely is with um, what was previously known as the neuronic spectrum of behavior, but has a more politically correct name, which I'm yeah. blanking on right now. The other reason why is because uh, toxoplasmosis lives better in the climate environments of the desert yeah. and those areas. I can see that. That's the other thing. Still, the, the popular, like the, the the infection levels like in the West are still significant. Yeah. And I don't believe that it's only like going to be the like the American Taliban that has that. Can I tell you something? Religion yeah. scares the shit out of me. <laughs> All religions. Says a man like buying a priest uniform. Oh yes, yeah, well, because it, this is it all it's all going to it, it's all part of the message, right? It's all part of the message. Um, I should probably feel people when I'm buying a priest uniform. <laughs> uh, I'm putting my friends and I are putting together a, a basilica um, at Burning Man. And it's going to become the first church of the technological singularity, <laughs> and we are uh, we're, we're we're becoming we're trying to be prophets for uh, God. And if I say it on the podcast, I might condemn people to eternal torture. So I feel Ooh. bad if I do. Oh, you're gonna have to yeah, come to Burning Man. Followers. You're gonna have to come to Burning Man and find out what the fuck is going on. You know, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking ridiculous. It looks funny. Yeah, it's like a, seeing all the planning meetings, all the work that's gone. This like where it's gonna be a shit. mixed reality immersive the a mixed reality installation surrounded by an immersive theater performance that it's going to fuck with people's minds, and I think <laughs> that's gonna be awesome. Um, but no, they do. They, uh, all religions scare me because I was on the other side. I, I grew up in a 85% Catholic country when I was a little kid in Nicaragua. And I remember having, being like six years old or seven years old and remembering the, that calling someone a Jew was the worst thing you could possibly call someone. <laughs> Like, like, my, like, like, we and, the, and people would use it so normally, like, oh God, don't be such a Jew. And 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 I remember thinking to myself, God, I'm so glad I left that shit. <laughs> God damn, I'm so glad I left that shit. It's so crazy because it's it feels normal to them. Yeah. And then and then you leave that and you realize and you and you meet Jewish people who are fucking awesome and yeah. have, and then and then you realize that the true history of you know what really happened and then you're like. What the fuck? You know, the fact that, like, you know, and, the, and that's the thing about kids. It's just, like, kids have no fucking clue, you know? And, yeah. and then this is why... They don't, they don't make shit up on their own, though. Like, kids are kids are sponges. Yeah. Like, that's because someone's parent was saying, like, oh, that fucking, like, J-O-O. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I, and, you know, it's... Uh, and so I... And, and, and that's another problem. I feel like, um, you know, our... Uh, the education that... Uh, the educational systems... 
um, don't reflect the current knowledge of humanity or the most yeah. up-to-date knowledge that we have. I, mean, I remember just, in high school, like there was a um, one of one of the um, I think I think it was Glad or another gay rights group on campus was um, throwing this this rally and. Um, and they put up all these pictures of two guys kissing mm-hmm. and just said, love is love. And this is like, like 1998 or, no, 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 like uh, 2008 or something like that, or not earlier, but um, these, like everybody, everybody on campus was just, it was just like, okay, like, you know, glad to do another rally, like maybe I'll go, whatever. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a great thing. It wasn't a bad thing. It was just like, you know, okay, gay is one way that people are. Like it was, you know, like, like people are different like colors of skin. Like it was just a you know another variable that's left at birth. But then this one guy on the um, I think it was on the lacrosse team or the football team, like his parents came in, like like onto the campus, like screaming and tearing down every single poster and like and wherever they could find it, like you know, and just like and they would just tear them down, like they take these posters off and posters off the wall and, and rip them up and make sure that like they were you know, fucking confetti before before they left, and it took me years to really get my head around that behavior. Like, have you have you been able to get? I still around that? I still don't have a hundred percent like comprehension of. I certainly don't have that kind of comprehension of how I, how somebody can can hate somebody for just being who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the time, I was just I was just bewildered. It was like. Like, if someone came into a school campus and said, like, there can't be any orange, like, no orange juice, no orange flavors, or it just, it felt so arbitrary, mm-hmm. um, and they were so animated about it. Um, what I, out of, out of various theories I've, I've heard um, and read about, one of the ones that seems, um, this is a tarot metric, but seems to ring true to, to me is the idea of, of, um, of liberalism and conservatism tracking strongly with your your disgust or your revulsion threshold, or your um, I heard a test online. About yeah, that. there's one going around recently. Like, yeah, yeah, that's it's been a theory for for a while, but you know the idea being like you see something you know in pain or you see something you know disgusting, do you feel empathy or do you feel revulsion? Yeah. and that tracking well to you know if you see you know later on like if you see somebody like you know who wanted to raise taxes and and help people with the problem of wrong society, like do you say like yes, like we should all be in this together? Or you know, fuck you! I got mine. As people are discussing. Yeah. Um, I I wonder, you know, I wonder. I mean, I think conservatism and liberalism. I see it as a yeah, I, as something that can be pinpoint through the keyhole of empathy, mm-hmm. but also trust. Like yeah. How much do yes. you trust your fellow man? Yes. And I think that um, it really is hard to come down on like you know who is what you know it's just and the fact that we live in this world you know or this you know that seemingly black and white is yeah. extremely dangerous because the world isn't black and white at all <laughs> and yeah. we shouldn't like box ourselves into like I'm a conservative I'm yeah. a liberal no no you're a human being with yeah. your own fucking thoughts yeah. and like it's not the way that's not the way the world's supposed to work it's I mean it and and I don't know what the what the proper way the world is supposed to work, but I'll tell you who I hate. Mm-hmm. I hate fucking Canadians <laughs> because they got this sexy ass <laughs> prime minister, <laughs> and they think they're better than everyone now. They God are damn, Justin Trudeau. God damn, baby face Justin Trudeau. Um, but no, I love Canadians, and, and it's true. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't understand either how someone can hate other people. Like I don't. I, just for being who they are is. 
And it seems like just like the common sense like idea of like as long as someone isn't physically harming me or yeah. the people I love, like what the fuck is it to me that they want to live the way they want to live? Yeah. And I'm so and in and in a way it's like you know this is where I get conflicted about free will itself mm -hmm. because because I see myself as someone who like if I would have stayed in Nicaragua and would have grown up in Nicaragua I would have been probably you know maybe I would have been very heavily influenced yeah. to become homophobic yeah. anti-Jew and that's normal. Yeah, that's normal, and no one questions it because it's just nurture. yeah, yeah. Because this is something that you 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 grew up with, and you just accept as a kid, and you move on with your life. And you might be doing amazing charity work around the world, but in the back of your head, this is what's going on, and that's that's crazy. Yeah. And and and, and then, but then I moved to San Francisco, and in San Francisco, it's another dimension. <laughs> Like I, I, for the first time ever. Was it, was it straight from Nicaragua? To yeah, 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 yeah. Holy shit! Dude, I, I, I don't tell people this story very often, but like, you go from a place that was the third most poorest country in the hemisphere, you know, uh -huh. something like fifth in the world, where there's nothing but misery and poverty and yeah. scarcity, to San Francisco, and you're like oh, seven, wow. six years old, seven years old, and all of a sudden it's like another dimension, yeah. where like there's this giant fucking building that this is what people can do yeah. and then there's all this noise and ideas and culture and just the variety of people you get to meet it's insane and I feel like that ability to break people's minds like mine was breaking <laughs> break, like mine was broken yeah that ability we have we're, we're starting to see the seed of that now through the tools of AR and VR that's was and it's when, when you were talking about it, all I started thinking about was those those projects where they will like put people like two people in in VR headsets and overlay and put a camera on each headset and then overlay each other's like switch the views so you can see like through the eyes of someone else and and like the ability for us to take these tools and to develop empathy in people like that that could be like you know society changing like civilization yeah. changing like yeah. you know, in terms of, of moving the Overton window like that's it could be so dramatic, and it gives me so much hope that you know maybe not just body swap things, but you know let's start incrementally. Let's start by having you know like baby fucking steps, where let's say you have a VR game, but the protagonist is a female for once, like just a small thing to edge people, not even edge people out of their comfort zones, but get people to to have some empathy for other people as human fucking beings. Mm -hmm. um, like this, my favorite George R. R. Martin quote. Um, he was being interviewed by this, you know, some some late night schmuck on TV, and and, and schmuck says like, you know, George, like you you've been you know gotten so many plaudits and you're always praised for writing such, um, you know, such vibrant and robust and you know well characterized female characters. Like how do you do it? And George just you know, sits back and says, well. I've always thought of women as people. <laughs> yeah, nailed it. Like, turns out that's all you fucking need. Yeah. Um, and but like for you know, go, going back to that memory of of these you know these parents storming through my high school and tearing up the the, the posters of two guys kissing. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm able to parse that now because I sort of understand that what they were feeling was disgust, was deep, deep, deep seated revulsion. And because what else could drive a person to, after tearing the poster down from the wall, of two fucking strangers 
you know, people that have never done anything to them or never will, never they'll never interact with in their life. A stock photo from iStock.com or just Google Images and taking it off the wall and then tearing into little fucking bits. Like that's not just hate; it's revulsion. It's a, uh, it's it's you know, it's deep and it's a lack of empathy. You know, whereas everybody else on campus was saying like, yeah, good for them. And to to have a tool that could build empathy that could you know make somebody. Gives, gives somebody the opportunity to view the world through someone else's eyes for once, someone else's perspective for once. But here's the here's the challenge, and I've thought of this idea. I thought of this a lot, uh-huh. and I think here's the challenge: How do you get some? Because because what what, what what it seems like we're walking into is we're walking into the age of experiential learning. Yeah, and 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 I think that'd be awesome. Yes, because that that I am a dumbass that learns from experience <laughs> much more than from a textbook or experience gives you deep structures. That even through a textbook, they only work if you if you do the, the repetitive exercises and exactly those things. So so now we have access to, to to this possibility that we will be able to like you know give people the experience of uh, the bad experience of like this is what happens. I mean even basic shit like this is what happens when you shit on the street. Don't shit on the street. <laughs> you know, like, and then the simulation reacts or like people are like shaming or like it's just it's a bad reaction right yeah but but you know the, the difference is then though like um how do you solve for um the the the, the fact that people will sort of fil- self-filter themselves into these experiences like the people who feel revulsion for gay people mm-hmm. don't want to experience it oh and experience God, they are in the dreams i want oh no but I, we're gonna figure out the no. dreams this is exactly what happened to the internet like Early days of the internet, it was a fucking paradise, and everybody's mind was being was being expanded. And you would like, we didn't have cultured feeds, we didn't have that that self segregation. Instead, it was you know it was just you know all the knowledge in the world and you know different perspectives, and you, and you read it as it came, and you would um and and people's like on the whole like you know were saw a greater diversity of things mm-hmm. outside of their current viewpoints because there was no filter. Um, and then the internet matured, and you know, well, fuck, you know, people just you know like to like what they like, yeah. And and I just had this horrible vision of the exact same fucking thing happening with VR, <laughs> because like as it is now, like you, you get a you get a vibe, you get a, a rift, yeah. And you buy all the games that are compatible with it, and like the criterion, like the main criteria being like, will it run, yeah. you know, on my fucking hardware? And you get exposed to experiences which, you know, which you wouldn't normally like. Hey. Maybe I wouldn't normally try a job simulator. You know, maybe I wouldn't normally like you know be into space game or like I usually prefer first-person shooters. But I'm going to try this other thing. Um, and and I had this horrible vision of people of of there being you know enough content out there that people will you know are able to like hey like I only want to stay within like you know I don't know what a conservative video game would be. Mm-hmm. I assume it's just like you know kicking somebody. Oh my God! Just, I, I'm not a game designer. Yeah, 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 yeah. So. But, uh, but I see what you're saying. Like, like, um, maybe people who don't give a fuck about who the character is and their gender or their story, and you know, they just wanna maybe they just wanna play the game and try out the mechanics and be better than everybody yeah. else. You know, I think, I think that could be. A, and it's you know and here's the thing like well now that we know that this could be a problem yeah. and we're and we're early into the industry like you know there's there's a chance that we can could figure out uh, something something to do about it yeah. I don't know I two ways I can think of, see it going um, I think 
you know, the, the most robust way would be sociological, would be society-based rather than tech, a technological solution. So if we could, like, let's say we have, let's say, like, put a clock in it and say we have five years before, you know, VR content gets to the point where people can self-select before, you know, and in that time, like, we... We have, we, have, we have five years to get people used to, to, to get people to not do that. Um, that, could, that could be as little as like as having one killer fucking title. Um, you know, whatever the, the mass effect of VR being, mm -hmm. like if that also includes like an empathy dimension or a, or a you know, some, some other, you know, if it, if it breaks enough boundaries for enough people that they are, that they stay broken, that they stay like with their minds open afterwards and keep on going to try new things mm -hmm. and like, that alone could maybe do it, or enough smaller ones along the way. But like, I kind of feel like the one way to reliably you know, get to a point where people don't go back to self-selecting is to, in the short period of time, make sure that all of the, you know, and everything's working to prevent this possible future, prevent this possible catastrophe, um, you know, in in small ways and big ways, narrow whatever ways you can. Because yeah. the the other option is you know you get. We get to the point now where people want to like just put on you know whatever the Fox News of VR is, um, and and never change the channel. And the only way to inject new views is you know through some technological mean where you have you know new stuff in your feed. But as long as there's a commercial motive, there will always be a way to to shut that off. So yeah, you know the only way to to really cause you know enduring change is to move the Overton window. And by, and, the, and the way you move the Overton window is by moving the boundaries. What's acceptable? The Overton window. What's it, what's the Overton window? The Overton window is a um, it's a concept of essentially. I hope I explain this right, but the um, the kind of gestalt uh, boundary of what's acceptable, like of you know what, what our collective view of what you know the craziest shit somebody's doing is, and the most conservative shit somebody's doing is, um, and and all societal values sort of like you know if you were to draw a normal distribution of you know, values, they all fit within the Overton window, or at least three sigmas of standard deviation do. Um, so you know you go way back to like you know Victorian times, and scandalous was showing an ankle, mm -hmm. like that was at the scandalous side of the Overton window, and you know normal conservative was you know essentially Victorian burka or whatever the. It was you know wrapping people in whalebone and tying them into knots and shit. Um, then people started pushing, and, and and the other thing is that the open window is of essentially a fixed size, a fixed width. So as people push the boundaries on one side of it, the entire window of what's acceptable moves. Oh. So as people you know start, hey, maybe like instead of an ankle, like short sleeves, mm -hmm. um, or shit like that, like that that shifts what we think is acceptable. And therefore, and by shifting what we think is outrageous as well, the you know, the middle part of the open window of the ideas and concepts and actions that we consider generally acceptable um, shifts as well. And uh, so, as more, and this is you know, this goes in both directions. You get, you know, if you know, let's go back, you know, five, ten years ago, when you know there are plenty of political candidates who are you know, racist as fuck, but they never say it. But it never, yeah. you know, it's always like, you know, like, you know, oh, like uh, voter ID, and like, oh, and like, urban youths, and then and, and people would, but you, but you couldn't say it, um, because it wasn't the political practice, there was actual backlash, and because people didn't want, like, you know, didn't want to actually be outed as racists, um, or bigots, or whatever the fuck they were, and, um, 
and people's action, but and that, that was in the public sphere. And then in the private sphere, the, you know, conversations were more tempered down than they are now. Today, you have Trump saying like, build a fucking wall, like, that kind of judge can't judge me because he's Mexican. And or um, or like uh, I'm not this I'm not discounting nuclear as an option, <laughs> but it'll be the last option. Exactly. And like what that, the fuck, that, dude? That what shit, the fuck? Like that kind of shit. Like that that moves the Overton window in the office. That's direction. where I was gonna go. I was gonna exactly. ask you about that. Yeah. Having a guy publicly say the worst shit makes even worse shit, you know, normalized. Makes it normal by having like you know big examples of and by having the. The boundaries of what's unacceptable be so fucking unacceptable. Yeah, it makes less unacceptable behavior, just shitty behavior, more normalized. Well, then, what is the the solution to that? Is it, is it doesn't mean that the other side has to come to in and fight. say you always have to fucking fight it. The other, so then the other side has to say, well, is it more like do you fight it by playing defense or do you fight it by playing offense and saying even more outlandish shit on the other end where we could say, well, you know what? We should all get basic income. <laughs> well, it's not just, well, well, yes, and it's not, I wouldn't call that outlandish. I would say well, it's a goddamn thing they, to work for. Yeah, well, yeah that, that should be like the starting point also, of the next. Like, as someone who works in robotics and thinks about like manufacturing and jobs and like automation a lot, we need that shit. Yeah. And it behooves us to get it done earlier. Why Why do we need basic income for robot? Because of robotics? Because we are moving to a, a post-labor, post-scarcity economy. It's not going to happen in our lifetimes, but like we are we are absolutely... Like I, I not only work with robots all the day, like have traveled around the world, you know, working with other robots and speaking to other robotics companies and, and you know, ton and, and, and friends with all the robotics companies out here because there's not many people doing robotics so we stick together. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, all the people working on this really cutting edge shit, you know, a lot of which is not public. And and this is true also of machine learning and AI and in a lot of other fields is that you know the, the tasks which require human intervention are diminishing. And they are they are diminishing fast and and the, the thing is machines can do that in a scalable way. You know, they can you know, if you if you um, like I, I was uh, talking to this one guy who was doing um, uh, tumor detection, automatic tumor detection using um, AI and uh, and computer vision to tumor detection with AI right, and to look at um, look, looking at X-rays. Ah. Um, so they, it goes through the system from a radiologist, and all the radiology labs will send their X-rays, you know, to their scanning system, which will then go through and and identify a identify tumors and like look at you know what spots are where and see if hospitals tons of money, but also um, you know the thing is like it will take it will take you know four eight years to train a radiologist you know to spot a tumor hmm. um, to train one radiologist to spot you know to do that holy fuck whereas with a um, and it's that's for the whole radiology program it probably no. takes time for like the best time for the tumor module uh-huh. um, but you know with with a and um, the AI like they and, and let's say that radiologist like throughout her lifetime can process a million you know X-rays like for the entire time here she lives. You know, in a day can do, you know, fifty. Um, you know, in an hour can do like two or something. Um, you build one program that can do that, and it can do an infinite number of them. You limit it only by processing speed. Um, like that skill is encoded in, and because it's an algorithm, yeah. it's scalable. And let's also say, like, let's let's say that a human can detect tumors, you know, on X-rays with a you know, 95% accuracy, and a you know, an AI can predict um, can detect tumors at a um, you know 87, maybe 90% accuracy. It's catching up. It's not as good, but it's uh, and, and while it's yeah, and yeah, it's, 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 it's catching up. But 
But regardless of the like the gap in performance is small enough that the benefits from scaling like, outweigh those. The fact that hey, now we can process all the X-rays instantly mm -hmm. and take the ones that are flagged and then have a person you know review it. Like that is it's this the the ability for technology to scale like always takes people by surprise and for once it'd be nice if it didn't. What is so for someone like you that's been in there mm -hmm. and it's it's deep in it. Yeah. What has something that you've seen that has surprised even you? Um, about in in the technology itself, not. And like like there's some mathematically really hard stuff which which um, uh, which really blows my mind with like like Eulerian uh, video video application and um, some other work uh, coming out of MIT and CSAIL. Like that's like the, like the the pure math is. Insane with some of like the cutting edge stuff, but in terms of the like application based things, the thing that has blown my mind the most is people's willingness to misapply it in ways that um, that shock, terrify, disgust me. Yeah. Um, the biggest example I would um, that I can think of was this one company. Um, they were doing uh, it was facial uh, processing software, um, facial recognition software, and it was, uh, it was the most terrifying like, presentation pitch ever seen, and, and personally one of the most upsetting. Like they they were doing this thing where they would um, they would you know the, what it boiled down to was they were saying that from a from a picture from a picture of your face. They could tell if you were a good person or a bad person. What the fuck? If you were a smart person or a dumb person, and and they said you know people who are, um, you know who are who are, you know who exhibit these behaviors, um, start to uh, you know they, they will you know have similar actions and similar behaviors and um and they can uh and and have no they they didn't say that they said they had similar characteristics, and everybody thought like okay maybe because they're talking about like. Um, machine learning applied to microexpressions or other unconscious behaviors or like, you know, which way you look when you're thinking something up versus recalling memory or other pseudosciencey things. Like, you know, maybe there's some 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 learning or some kernel of truth in here. Um, and because there's tons of, of things which can determine things like kinship from uh, from facial recognition and and that gets people thinking like, oh okay, a lot of shits a lot of a lot of things coming out now are are plausible. Um, so let's give things a benefit of the doubt. And these people were saying, like, you know, we can predict the winner of these poker tournaments. Um, they were they completely fucked up their like mess with their statistics. Like they give no indication of like how many false positives they're given. Hmm. You know, if you like there were six hundred applicants and like three winners and and they you know picked all thirty five that made to the finals and picked all like two of the three that went to the the, the wanted. Um, but they didn't say their false positive rate because they, you know, if there's 600 people, you can just select 600 and like, yeah, we had 100% success like picking the winners. Oh. You also have, like, the, statistics is important. Don't fuck it up. And like, I mean, it pisses me off when people use those manipulate people. Oh. Um, but that that aside, aside from them like, you know, messing with the statistics, they were, you know, it was it was this you know sort of conventional computer vision speech like we're doing new things, getting new insights from. You know, from like the kinship um, detectors, like yeah. new insights from computer vision, and you know we detected these these poker players and who would win. They like okay, like maybe maybe there's common behaviors in poker players that are winners um, that we can't perceive normally because yeah. computers are really really good at picking up the shit we don't and picking up 
you know, small variations like that. Where is the math out there that shows, that can say and pinpoint what it mean, what is a good person? Well, like, that, that's, 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 that's the thing. That's the thing. That it, was such, it was bullshit. Like, I think it started off with these, like, quasi, like, okay, like, I kind of get the rationale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it just, it came, at the end, it, like, so quickly right, came, back, like, came right back to racism and came back to fucking, like, phrenology. And, like, and, and it was all this, like, you know, this computer vision language and, just, like, you know, and, and speaking the right tongue. But then it came back to, like, we are, um, you know, pe- people are, uh, the people who are, who are smart and bad, like, that's, that is, that's coming from their bone structure, which is determined, uh, no, that's coming from, from, their gene, from their genes. There's a gene for being good and a gene for being bad, and a gene for being smart and a gene, gene for being stupid. And those genes are reflected in the way that our faces grow. And by using computer vision, we can cluster together statistical groupings of who is, you know, who has these genes and these genes. And that's not fucking science. That's phrenology. That is like, like Victorian era shit of like, you know, like a physiognomy. People coming out with like a fucking calipers and saying like, oh, even the size of his orb, like he's, you know, this person is mongoloid and, oh, shit. and like, and it was just that's coming back. What the it was, fuck? Well, exactly. It was like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, it, it went. It went from like you know, like like applause and like plausible. Okay, all right. Uh, kind of. Wait, no. Wait. Oh, and then people were like, all of a sudden, like, oh, so are you saying like a person's like can, um, can like, whether or not they're you know a person's a good person or a bad person is determined at birth? It's like, yes. And and it was just could hear a pin drop. How can people? The, the, the terrifying thing is, they they said that you can turn from their face, you know, if they're good, if they're bad. Um, you can also turn, you know, predict whether or not they're a terrorist. And then this was right after um, the uh, I think it was the Bataclan um, bombings, or there was one one of the mass shootings in, in Paris. Um, and they had, uh, you know, again, they had said that they were able to, to identify um, using their algorithm, like it flagged, you know, six out of seven te- of the terrorists as terrorists. Um, and, and again, horrible fucking like manipulation of statistics because they're not saying how many completely innocent people they're flagging as terrorists. And terrorists. Mm-hmm. They're just saying like out of the sample size, that's already correct. You know, we you know put it through, um, you know, like you know, we were able to get like a seventy percent or eighty percent success rate. Um, now, you know, for all I know, and I think that a lot of the math probably like, if you were to reduce it and you know boil it down to its most basic, I think it was just checking whether or not you were brown. <laughs> like it was, and it was, and and they they're showing they're selling this shit to governments. Wow. And that. So when you ask me like the most horrifying, like mind blowing thing, like that was a thing that's just was just like like oh my god, like it's like it's this weird feeling of seeing stuff that you care about so badly twist into something to support something so fucking evil. Yeah, dude. And especially because the scenario in which that tool quote unquote tool mm-hmm. that didn't even deserves that word is 
is is actually like I can draw the dots, connect the dots right now from the point where like that's fucking crazy. No one's gonna use it to like, oh my god, please do anything, do anything, just do anything. You know, the yeah. Patriot Act. You yeah. know, and and or or like you know, there's gonna be another bombing, another something massacre, and people are gonna be like, I'm tired of this shit. Do anything, yeah. anything, even if it involves employing some shitty fucking. Crazy kooky uh, technology that it's wherever right. you go, it'll start like you know. It, and it can be old networks, right? It can be any camera in the like in yeah. your country, in your region, like uh, the UK. There's cameras <laughs> everywhere. They see your face. Oh, you he's brown enough, or he has. What the but, fuck? But it's not like that's not happening. Uh, it's not like that. This is this is adding a little techno magic and a little techno battle, a little techno dust. To old school racism, wow. and old school prejudice, and like that was like the the ideas this guy was talking about. Like those have been a lot around for as long as we've had like the spoken word. Yeah. As long as people have seen people who didn't look exactly like them, like we've had these kind of ideas that like you know, oh that person is you know looks this way, so they have these characteristics. Um, and the ability for people like to, to shoehorn new like new idea new concepts, new scientific discoveries to give legitimacy to their important beliefs, like, never ceases to, to amaze me. Um, it is just, it, it blows my mind, and I, I, I'd, I'd read about things like that in the past, and read about, like, um, like, someone discovers quantum mechanics and says, like, oh, that, you know, is obviously existence of, like, you know, like, that means we have souls, and I'm like, oh, I don't think that's really how quantum mechanics works. It sounds like you misunderstood one concept and extrapolated that farther than you should have. Um, and uh, like, like the fact that quantum entanglement exists doesn't mean that thoughts create matter. Mm. And it's, you're, you're skipping a few really important steps there. Um, the fact that we can detect um, you know, commonalities in faces does not, you know, mean that your old school belief that you know people's you know faces determine whether or not they're good or bad is now true. Yeah. Um, and but it, it reminds me that you know these things we're building, these things we're working on, these things that have so much promise for the future and so much promise for the you know for us as a species and moving us into a post post scarcity economy and a post scarcity society. Like these are these are tools which can just as easily be used against us mm-hmm. and are more than likely will be. What is, so what does a post-scarcity society look like? Star Trek. Star Trek. It looks like Star Trek. But, 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 but it also, but it, it will also come wrapped Engage. with. <laughs> That's what it looks like. <laughs> and so we'll, so we'll have like the Star Trek economy where no one yes. has to worry about money, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they also have to worry about the color of their skin because, you know, uh, be, because, uh, is this per tribal thing that is in humans? Is that not going to go away ever? That terrifies me because I think I I can't find any any evidence to support the idea that we are not fundamentally wired for tribalism, and and maybe like like that'd be the worst fucking futures if we if we conquer hunger and we conquer disease and we conquer like. Resource scarcity, and we conquer labor, and but we all. can't conquer racism. Exactly, and then all that's left is race wars, and all that's left is like, or finer and finer divisions of, because this happens, like, you know, you can be Asian but like not the right color of Asian, but other Asians. You can be black but not the right color of black. Yeah. Or you can be 
you know, like Jewish, but not the right Jewish. Yeah. And and we, you know, or, or tons of like, you know, you're liberal, but you're not the right, 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 right liberal. And you know, I'm guilty of that as well. Yeah. Um, and we are so fucking good at making these, you know, mincing little decisions. Like my, I would, I would not be happy if like, if a post-scarcity society where we all had, you know, where, where the metaverse was Reddit essentially. Oh shit. The R Donald is the most <laughs> frequented of all the subs. Yeah, like it's. Oh god, it's yeah, and you know it's it's um, oh, God, and this is where I have to remain try to remain hopeful because this is where you know it's the job of uh, people who give a fuck to <laughs> um, try to do the as much as they can to keep using these devices as yeah. mind expanding devices and not. Um, do gateways towards escapism and 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 tribalism, right? I think my, my one hope is that, like the the idea that that vision and division comes from and, and hatred and revulsion that comes from from hardship and that comes from from poverty. And I don't, I don't mean like just like lack of money, lack of lack of food, lack of stable housing, lack of mental health, lack of just regular physical health. Like if you are, you know, when people. When people's lives suck, like that's where divisions come from. That's when you start wanting to to hurt other people, blame other people, you know, for your for for your suffering, to to point the finger and to you know, to hurt someone else. Like people, like and, and, and if we move to a post-scarcity economy, like hopefully, you know, like it would be like let's say the Middle East is suddenly a you know a, a garden paradise. You know, there's gonna be a lot less division, a lot less people who are who are actively, you know, hating on their neighbors. Mm-hmm. You know, if we move the entire fucking world, you know, to to a garden paradise where everybody's educated and everybody's fed and everybody's, you know, have, does not have hardship, I think there's fewer reasons to hate to to activate that tribalism. I, want, I think one simple thing, and this this might not be simple at all, but I think one simple thing that could help is the. Um, trying to believe that there's a better future. Yeah. Because people who cling on to the past and to pat joke grudges of the past, um, you know, even though, like, yeah, slavery happened. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, the Holocaust happened. Um, but so is the greatest intelligence explosion the mm-hmm. world and the universe that we know of has ever seen. Yeah. And so is... The mo another another Cambrian explosion in technologies that no one could have ever seen coming, and it's and, and the thing is you're you're a part of it right now. It's around you, and yeah. you have no idea the like the the immense and bountiful and positive future that awaits us if we really really you know embrace it. If we really embrace it, like it's 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 hard and it's hard. It's hard because the past is you know it defines us. Yeah. But like, I don't think we'll ever see peace in the Middle East until people let go of the past a little bit, you know? They could, and, and, and just, or peace in general, just yeah. peace everywhere in the world. Like, I think, I think it's easier to, to let go of the past when you have fewer grievances. Yeah. yeah. I think that it's like, I, I can't fault someone for not letting go of slavery when like, when the damage from slavery is not done. Uh, like, yeah. I can't, yeah. I can't fault somebody from like you know for not letting go of colonialism when the damage from colonialism is not done. Like those wounds have not healed, and and one of the only ways you you know 
you heal is you know to be made whole again, made well again. Yeah. And um, you know, if we were to, and, and this this goes back to like you know, like I think that everybody has a good standard of life, and a lot of these grievances, like you have less to complain about. Yeah. Um, like and, and and then it fades into history. Um, and that's kind of the only way I can see like getting past these things. Yeah. And, and growing as a species. But even then, I mean, and you, and we're, we've been talking about this, like even then, if if we do get rid of poverty and if we do get rid of, uh, you know, this uh, hardship, hardship-based suffering, mm-hmm. like even then human beings will find a way to divide themselves, right? Maybe. Maybe, but maybe it's gonna be those AR people that they're fucking going outside. <laughs> Why can't they stay inside and be in VR like all of us normal people? Be. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll always like. I always have divisions. Always have arguments. Yeah. I just. I can. Oh what? I, I I see them becoming like getting to a point where like we'll still have our still have our arguments maybe, but no one's getting hurt from them. Where at, so at what point does AI play a role in all of this? Uh, in pacifying humanity, and governing humanity, and mm-hmm. mediating conflict resolution of humanity, <laughs> maybe. Oh, I, that's that's a. I, I, I mean, we need we we, we might we kind of need that right for this to happen. We we need AI for a lot of of logistical problems, mm-hmm. like to get to get to a point where we can have a um you know a post scarcity economy. And a post-scarcity economy doesn't mean like a post-progress economy, a post-innovation economy. Like if I if I wasn't being paid a dime but didn't have to pay rent, um, you know, and didn't like aspire to have like, you know, experience in life, like I I would still like take away like take away all my you know needs and 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 provide for me, and I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 right back here, and like, cause it, it's something that that fills me with fucking life, that that makes me feel alive, and that um, yeah, I, 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 I love what I do, and like, and not having to do it doesn't stop me from doing that. Um, but there's tons and tons and tons of of stuff we just want to have covered, of logistical crap, of of load balancing, of you know, the, the 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 work that is mentally dull, dirty, and dull, dangerous, um, and that's where I see you know AI taking up a ton of a ton of administrative work, a ton of um, of, of busy work, work for workspace sake, and and the the implications of handing off control to a system we don't fully understand is terrifying, um, but it's not like that doesn't happen a hundred percent right now. Like every time that we you know, log on to a fucking bank, every time we get on an airplane, yeah, like it's it's um you know we, we do that all the time, and once the tools are good enough, like I think the exact same thing is going to happen. Um, the way that we're seeing that you know play out now is a lot more um you know going back to essentially like operator assist things where it will you know, you, you will there'll be an AI working behind the scenes to um you know, in, in every search to figure out like what you actually meant. You know, by the words he typed in, like not not searching for those terms, but trying to extract intent from them. Um, there's you know like tons of AI, like in game behaviors, um, different different type of AI, but uh, similar concepts. And then um, and you know just in every every like 
natural language processing, you know, things like Siri and Alexa and um, these other, and, and even Cortana, like they are, they are so freaking good now because there's been so much machine learning behind the scenes, mm -hmm. you know, to to aggregate and get better and better at data. But you can't, you can't like when when we build especially um, neural nets, like we do not have a hundred percent insight into what's happening inside them all the time. Um, so uh, like, you know, I, I remember early early days of, of CV research and um, this one team out of I. I forget the university, but they had built a um, a classifier which was which was able to discriminate between dogs and um, and wolves with like like hundred percent accuracy, and that was that that was phenomenal. Like how like okay, you know, being able to discriminate between like dogs and cats was a big a big advance. Like both both have eyes, they both have like you know, noses, they both like are smaller than people. How do you you know? To look at the smaller factors and say like that's a dog, that's a cat, mm -hmm. like that was a big research, a big breakthrough to be able to to you know discriminate between dogs and wolves, which look really fucking similar in the face, like that was you know like and to do that with 100% accuracy when you know the best you know software at the time was segmenting things like 80%. Shit, I can't tell the difference no, between exactly. some puppies and some wolves. It was, it was it was like it was mind blowing. It turns out the algorithm was just looking for snow. Ah, <laughs> like it was just. And <laughs> it, it did the job when you like put, put those images in, but um, you know we don't we don't always know 100% what's going to you know what, what's going on behind the scenes. And the big danger there is by is that we are going to as we hand off more and more functions, you know, to to neural nets, um, we do not have full insight into what the um, what the externalities are, are going to be. Like what kind of, of edge cases and and new behaviors that are going to arise? So when you told me about this intense math, the mm -hmm. latest math of MIT, like like what are the implications of what's being done, or can you like extrapolate to where that you know this math is going or what they're doing? And the field as a whole is a, a lot of the um, a lot of the research into well most of the research I'd say actually in AI right now is how we can how we can take older um, older algorithms and, and run them faster. Huh. Um, like a lot of that's just like, hey, like we're doing more and more cool shit with it. It's just it's just pretty slow. Um, and then being able to, it's uh, like one of the big advancements recently and in going forward as well has been deepening the number of layers you can have in a neural net, which um, it's uh, you know, it used to be like it was really really impressive to have a, a neural net with like two layers or three layers. Like that was. And that's not that long ago. That was really like that was that was a you know took a lot of computing power to get there. You know now you're seeing seven layers with deep neural nets. Shit. Um, and it's like holy shit. And each one of these represents an exponential increase. In seven layers that's available to anybody on uh, a laptop, or is well, it? No, not with a laptop, maybe, but but like maybe with, then if you have a GPU, you can do some basic work like like 100 percent. Nine seventy or yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you can. Um, but what, what having what having deeper and deeper layers of neural nets do does is it it essentially lets us find draw insights from subtler differences um, to have a more subtle commonality across a group of things mm -hmm. whether they are words or pixels or you know in some cases like vibrational data from a machine. Hmm. Um, and to cluster that and more 
Yeah, and from, and from smaller but repeated sites, like, um, you know, factors from, to be able to then extrapolate insights. And that's, um, that is opening up stuff which, which feels like magic. Um, where I'll do things like, uh, you know, be able to, to listen to a car and figure out, like, okay, like, you know, what part is going wrong. Wow, holy fuck! <laughs> well, and the information's in there. Yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. Not 100% of the information, like, you know, it's not going to be able to tell if, like, someone spilled a drink on your, yeah. but, like, you know, there's, like, it's that kind of smaller and smaller and smaller insights um, that let us, you know, and smaller and smaller and smaller details leading to bigger insights and being able to do that on cheap hardware that anyone owns. Like, that's that's where we're getting to yeah. and what the kind of assist use cases are. Um, because, you know, and on the other hand, like, that's that's not great news for mechanics. Because um, that, you know, somebody makes that happen, it scales. And and now, like, you know, a job that, you know, you would previously have provided an income and have taken years to learn has been, you know, erased with a 99 cent purchase from the App Store. <sighs> Holy fuck, yes. Holy shit. Oh, wait, 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 let me, let me throw this curveball at you. So, yeah. so it can 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 the the idea that neural nets have layers mm-hmm. can that be does that is there a parallel in the human mind um, like can we can we say for example right now we're at seven neural net layers the human mind has twenty <laughs> but, but like and the reason why I say of. that is because if you look at the visual cortex like mm-hmm. it, there is you know these layers of, of processing yes like it'll be like V one V two a ton of um of computer vision research now has been essentially mimicking the way that we look at images and the way that we segment things. Hmm. And that started with like, hey, like, you know, the phobia is different from the peripheral. But then it became like, you know, okay, we actually have specialized regions in neurons um, dedicated to certain tasks yeah. um, and certain correlations of tasks. And that's... Hold that thought. My girlfriend might be outside with food. And this is, again, this is extremely rude. I shouldn't be doing this. Hey, what's up? No, I'm still going, going strong, going really strong with this. Shit is about to get... I'm not even scratching the tip of the iceberg. Well, I have your food. Maybe you can open the door for Five minutes? Okay, okay. Just text me, and then I'll run over with the laptop, and we'll have the conversation <laughs> while we walk. And then, yeah, okay? All right, wait. Okay, so... You should have dinner with your girlfriend. This is, this is the future of humanity we're talking about right now. This, is, this, this takes precedent while we're having a, a Friday dinner with my girlfriend. She has a dog. She's good. Uh, so, d- d- blow my mind. Keep blowing my mind. Hold on. This is a, we were at the layers of the human brain versus the... I, 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 am, I am not going to say that we are... Um, that we're, we're anywhere close to being able to like, mimic the way that we process information in our brains. Mm-hmm. We are... We are right now. People in um, who are doing computer vision, who are doing machine learning, people who are doing robotics. They are taking a lot of inspiration from the human brain and from the human body. Like when we were when we were designing the um, the first versions of the robotic arms we make, like one of the books we had open was Grey's Anatomy, and we were like you know, looking at bone structures and ligament structures and tendon structures because like here is a you know a textbook definition of a generative design. Of something which has gone through a lot of fucking revisions and had you know the good parts increased and the bad parts removed. Um, let, let's cheat as much as possible and take as many features as possible. Um, and that's you know, the, the the best um, 
the best algorithms right now, the best robots right now, the best like you know computer vision techniques right now, they crib heavily from from our brains and from our eyes and from how we process information. And that's a conscious effort to like, hey, like, you know, people have got this shit figured out. Like let's let's copy as much as possible. That does not mean that if we just push those current systems further, that we get replicas of of the brain. You know, oh. of the mind. Because we are because there's so much other shit in there we don't understand. Yeah. It's so much shit that we're not um, that we are not uh, accommodating or, or be like we, you know when we um, when we're making making the you know the physical structure of the arm um, you know it's it's pretty similar on the insides to um, uh, actually it's closer to a leg than an arm um, but you know, when we replace you know bone with carbon fiber and um, and tendon with polymers and um, but if we just like you know took that technology and and pushed it much further and had you know, stronger carbon fibers instead of um, instead of you know polymer tendons. We used um, you know carbon fiber nanotubes and, um, and and I don't know graphene fits in here somewhere. I'm sure uh, you know and, and, like that. That's still not a human arm. It's still like it's still based on our limited ability to reproduce. You know, sort of best in class examples from nature. Um, and and the only way that we can you know push the technology further. Is well, not the only way, but we can't recreate you know a human structure without knowing more about human structures. And this is you know whether it's a yeah. you know an arm or a leg or an ear or a mind. Like that's we still know so freaking little. Yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my mind around what qualia is. Mm-hmm. I still don't know what qualia really is. I don't know that term. Yeah, I, I well, I've learned it recently, and I don't want to like. To try to explain it because I'm going to butcher it. <laughs> but if someone out there knows, please tell me what the fuck is qualia. It's uh, essentially, in essence, maybe mm-hmm. it's the it's the the process of of perceiving experience. Mm-hmm. Like where where is that in the brain? Where oh is that? That's like. Yeah, I don't know either. I don't yeah. know either. And and then when you when you think about like a thought, like when you think about like what is the, what is a thought made out of? Can that be quantified? Like is that <laughs> the fact that you can you can think about a thought? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I, I, we can we can create our own simulation of the in your mind of a person thinking about a simulation, thinking about a simulation, and like like we have like that kind of processing power. Yes. And, and I've witnessed it. I've, I've witnessed it uh, by speaking to a friend who told me about his psychedelic experience. <laughs> I witnessed that secondhand <laughs> thanks to the great explanation that my friend had. So this is what he said. He oh. said that when you on our when you are on LSD, for example, uh, my friend said you are. In, it's almost like it's tapping into. Uh, and, if, and if it's really good LSD, like according to my friend, it's it's <laughs> tapping into the it, 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 pure imagination, P- like pure imagination, and it feels pure, like it, it's just and it's and it's a hundred, and your brain is almost all of a sudden a hundred percent of its processes are spent on that, making yeah. imagination happen. Yeah, and you close your eyes. And my friend saw these amazing structures at a resolution that it was lifelike, and they were right there, and they were or semi-organic, mechanical structures dancing to music at the same time, and they were hovering in front of him, and they were like, and they were, and yeah, and they were audio reactive, and it, <laughs> and it was insane because all of a sudden my friend realized 
that this is holy shit, this is where VR is going. Why do we need the compute, you know, the external computer yeah. where the simulation can already be created in the computer inside your mind? Yeah, it's it's mind blowing. Like, and my girlfriend's outside. I'm gonna pause this. I'm just gonna run over, and I'm in. It's it's going. Excellent. Reducing the gap between thoughts and reality. That's that's the that is one of the things that that blows my mind with VR. That blows my mind with um with robotics, it blows my mind with natural language processing, it blows my mind with AI, it blows my mind with, that was the first thing that blew my mind with programming. It was the idea that like, you know, I, I love programming because that was the shortest path between, you know, thoughts in my head and something which could create value for something in the world. Um, but each time that we as a, you know, as a species can do something that reduces the steps between, you know, our internal world and our external world, like it is, and it, like I, it's everything. That's like yeah. it's it's the greatest thing in the world. And like, and and VR is amazing for that because it it shows you what we can. It, it's bringing us a step closer to that reality. Yeah. Um, AI is amazing for that because it's it's great at taking human intent and translating that into a language that computers can understand, um, and 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 thereby. You know, reduce again, reducing the steps between like in our internal intent and our external world, um, and slowly merging those two. So, in that same vein, I have this analogy that I like to use, and I think, yeah, in in this analogy, um, I, I like to use is is when I, when I think of um, all these desperate, seemingly desperate technologies like AI, like robotics, like AR, VR and AR and drones and Internet of Things and synthetic biology and you know you, you name it all, all these exponential technologies when you when you when you look at them um, you know I, I see them as sort of like instruments of a grand orchestra being fine-tuned right now and you got the VR is the violin maybe and you got <laughs> a robot AI is the cello and you got you know whatever you, you whatever you want right and and, and so they're being fine-tuned you know, and, and it seems like all that's missing is for someone to be the conductor of yeah. all these elements and make the music sing. I, I feel like and when that happens, yeah, what does that look like? I, it's it's it blows my mind. It's like I feel I feel like we are in an incredibly like we're on the verge of something huge. I feel like I feel like almost all the pieces are on the table. Like are starting to like we're we're starting to get the constellation of technologies, you know, which whereby we could build a utopia, um, and you know for like so, you know, at at Carbon Robotics, like we have, you know, we, we talk a lot about like you know like we're trying to automate you know, this that and the other, um, and and that's really important to us. But like what drives us is that we want to remove drudgery. From the human condition, drudgery, drudgery, like that is that is the goal of robotics is to remove drudgery and remove pain, and like to to defeat that is just just incredible, um, and 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 as I see that like more and more of these technologies pop up and more and more things which are which are just like removing the barriers between like how we want the world to be and and what it is like yeah. that. That it, it fills me with so much hope, and I feel, I feel more and more like we are on, really on the edge of something huge, and we're going. And this, this is an important time, and it's really important that we're 
we're thinking about things intentionally yeah. and working toward, towards things intentionally, and people are doing that. So, so because I'm on your side, because I'm just as hopeful, hopeful for the future as you are, I want to challenge you. Yes. Because at some point, I don't know if, and maybe this might not ever happen, mm -hmm. but maybe there might be the hypothetical scenario wherein your robots are doing so well, so well at removing dull drudgery and boredom and pretty much nonsense. You know, mm -hmm. the, the waste of human mind is a terrible tragedy, just yeah. one mind. But, but here's the thing, what if our socioeconomic structures aren't ready for this? How, what, if, what if you become the victim of your own success? How will you deal with the maybe eventuality that people are going to turn against you because you're the creator of these machines that all of a sudden have taken away their livelihood. It it terrifies me. Um, we are we are working like conscientiously towards you know not having that happen or, or reducing the you know how, how can we get the most net benefit to society while while treading this softly while you know as much as possible not not hurting anyone and and a lot of the you know, things that we do right now is we try to work with people who are trying to expand capacity and they can't hire more. Um, and we try to focus on jobs which are, um, you know, which are actively hurting people doing them, um, and things like that. Like you know, some like metal finishing things where people like are inhaling magnesium dust all day. Um, and you know, it's just it's it's, it's it's there's a lot of problems and like throughout history, what we've done like as a species is that we something that needs doing. Like we we sure need you know cotton fabric. So we throw human fucking misery at this problem until we have lots of cotton fabric, and then someone, you know, invents the cotton gin, and like it will, you know, do more things automatically, and yeah. um, and someone invents a loom, and then it'll do more things automatically each time. Each time people get hurt, no, that is terrible. But each time it means that we have to hurt less people to function as a society. And the thing that you know, it makes me think it's all going to be worth in the end is that. The end point is is so worth it, and the best we can hope to do along the way is to make sure that we are that we are hurting as few people as possible, and saying and, and being intentional about making as many people's lives better as possible. Yeah. That's why I'm you know, a huge proponent of minimum incomes. Yeah. That's why I'm um, you know when we are looking at um, you know we we are you know doing a fair amount of work in China, and you know the places we're working at looking at. Are places where their factories would shut down if they didn't have robots, um, where it would, uh, you know, they are looking at a population that that is getting wealthier and doesn't, you know, doesn't want to to work in a factory anymore, won't work in a factory anymore, so they demand more, you know, to work and less people will actually come to work, and you know, then you, you know, so it becomes a choice of either robots or the, um, or the or the factory shuts down, and this is. You know, this is, I think, especially true in robotics, but this is a problem in every emerging technology. You know, it's a problem with VR. It's a problem with AI. That the people who are doing the, who are pushing the, the boundaries here and pushing the envelope and pushing the opening window, you know, they're also stewards of the technology. They also have to be intentional. There, there has to be, to be stewardship. And how do we, you know, and, and thinking about how we, how we can make these technologies for the benefit of everyone and for the most people possible. Yeah. And, you know, because otherwise, you know, we end up with, you know, with, with fucking like, you know, AI basilisks and, and, and it, 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 you know, the, this, 
power comes with responsibilities and it comes with the possibility of a nightmare. And to be fair, like most advances have usually like, you know, there's been at least some element of corruption of people, you know, shoehorning their old school racism into computer vision and, and machine learning. Um, of people, you know, using it, using VR to torture people, mm -hmm. um, and this is like or to brainwash people. Yeah, and it's like there's I have so much hope, but it has is such a fight, and we have to, we all have to be working towards this. Is this is this where I mean is this where perhaps we can? Uh, and I'm going to I think I, I, I have I have it now I have the I have the solution to the problem of having humanity transition to the post-scarcity economy and the AI mm -hmm. economy I think I think the solution if it's possible is to figure out a way to automate and to make uh, to automate and put machines on the job of figuring out what a society needs. <laughs> so let's say, so let's say, all of a sudden, a society doesn't have burger flippers anymore, and then it goes, and the, and the AI looks at the society and realizes, holy shit, mm -hmm. we need a lot more uh, psychologists and therapists and people that can consult others because there you got a mental health epidemic. Yeah, this is like the plot of like every like every Star Trek episode where like the AI went wrong. <laughs> Damn it! Like you know, this is like the exact same thing. Like you know, like oh, like we can eliminate all cancer by killing all humans. Yeah, like but, but 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 here's the thing. Like you know, because unless you provide people with an alternative, mm -hmm. right? Because because people want to. God, I'm lazy, and if I'm lazy. I'm pretty sure there's a fuck ton of people out there that are lazy. I'm very average. I'm very like everybody else, right? So like, so so if you give people the ability to say, look, your job as a burger flipper is no longer here, mm -hmm. but don't despair. We've had this algorithm that decided that there's two million jobs that are needed here, two million jobs that are needed there. And by the way, they're not shitty. Mm -hmm. They're actually jobs that require that will make you feel good when you go to sleep at night because you might be helping others in a way that AI can't yet, right? If we can have like you know, AI doing efficient resource allocation that takes into into uh, account you know a person's you know, sense of fulfillment and ability to choose, yeah. I and mean, that's that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm now thinking about like okay, is this going to you know infantilize us as a species? What does that mean? Well, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, like, dogs are lovely because they are essentially don't get past the puppy development stage. Mm. Like, a big dog is a big puppy. Mm. Um, and it's, it has to be taken, taken care of. It's taken care of. Um, it is, it is lovely. It doesn't have to fight or hunt or whatever. And, um, and I'm wondering if, I'm now wondering, like, let's say that we are in a hardship-free society where our needs our needs are, are catered to, um, do we become less? Um, and this is now like you know, it's, it's feeling dangerous to close to like, you know, again, don't don't see value in suffering. Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think that there's like inherent value in that. But um, if if we have if we never have to assert ourselves or we never if we have every every need catered to or every whim, you know, actualized, like is there is that going to do something to our psyche? Isn't this where we would... Are we evolved enough to handle a post-scarcity society? 
where then maybe we can decide collectively that, you know what, going to school now involves going through a series of simulations where you're going to experience uncomfortable things. And yeah. this is how you're trained to be a human. Maybe. I, I, I am I'm endlessly enthusiastic. And I think that if we, I would rather, I'd rather build the tools and then figure it out mm -hmm. um, with the hope that we'll figure it out than, than deprive humanity of the tools for a second longer. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's going to lead to a learning period. Yeah. But uh, I, I have high hopes. So do I. I feel like, um, you know, because I feel like the solutions are here. Yeah. I'm even clearer. Yeah. And we're, and we're having the tools to actually tackle them. Yeah. And they're just, and they're not just, um, I mean, you know, psychedelics are technology, mm -hmm. you know, it, but they're not just, but tools won't come in in the form of code. It's not just code that, yeah. you know, that is on the way. It's it's DNA itself <laughs> that's going to get manipulated and you're going to be able to have mushrooms that can grow leather and goddamn <laughs> synthetic meatballs that are, you know, price can kept competitive with, you know, meat industry. I would love that. That's coming and I think, God, that should have been here years ago. That's a step closer to paradise. That's a step closer to, like, to, to my idea of, like, humanity doing good. Yeah. Um, but what if all of this is too late? Now, let me pose one last world-changing, fucked-up scenario. Um, what if all of this that is happening is not happening fast enough? Because yeah. the one thing that I've been that I need to read up on more honestly, and maybe I'm like scared for nothing, but mm -hmm. I but I but I'm very but I've always been worried about climate change at yeah. the moment. Um, ever since I was a little kid, like that was my, I, you know, while other kids were playing like Pokemon or video games, mm -hmm. you know, I would spend afternoons watching Discovery Channel documentaries about yeah. climate change, and that never left me. And I'm still like on it, and I, and sometimes, you no, know, for no fucking reason, I stress out about it because there's nothing I can do, mm -hmm. so they say. <laughs> uh, but like, but here's the thing, like, um, you know, the, if if we look at you know carbon, you know, dioxide and greenhouse levels in the atmosphere, like we've already gone past 400 parts per million. And yes. I don't know if it, and, 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 and the thing is 450 was when the earth went through the Permian mass extinction event. Yeah. And that was the worst, worse than the fucking dinosaurs, yeah. more worse than the one five million years ago. This was the one where like 90% of all plant life on earth, all of life on earth yeah. died actually. And and it was because the temperature of the planet reached above six degrees yeah. uh, on average. And that just completely wiped off, you know, masses, amounts, amounts of, you know, uh, ecology that was well balanced. Yeah. And the thing that triggered it was a eruption of methane gas in the Siberian permafrost. Mm -hmm. A giant fucking eruption, just trillions of tons of, of methane gas got released from Siberia. And we're seeing, as we speak right now, now not, that not just the methane in some Siberia is being released at unprecedented levels, uh -huh. but so is the methane in Antarctica. And again, these there's what right now there's around five million. I know, I don't know what the right number is, but there's a certain amount of greenhouse gases that are in the atmosphere right now, and these releases of methane represent trillions upon trillions of more of that happening within few within a few years. Actually, within the span of like a decade, you're yeah. gonna see 
God, if we see a, tr a trillion fucking tons of, or gallons of yeah. methane being released into the atmosphere, there's no telling, there's no telling what the world is going to look like. Yeah. And there's no way we're going to put the brakes on it. Now, what do we do to adapt? I, and we, I, I'm, a, I'm a techno optimist, but I don't believe in destiny. I don't believe that we are, everybody believes that they're special. That you know that bad things don't happen to them; they happen to other people. Yeah. Until something bad happens, until you know, you, know you, you get your first scar and you realize that's not going away. Yeah. Um, you, know, you you lose a limb; that's not coming back. Yeah. Um, you go to jail for the first time, and you're yeah. like, I that's never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and but even then, on some some degree of your mind, like no one, like everybody thinks they're special. Yeah. And as a species, we still think we're special, mm -hmm. and that things will work out because that's it's it's the just world fallacy. The universe is not fair. It doesn't equalize itself out. You know, there's there's no there's no real justice that we, what we make, and there's no there's no destiny to catch us. We're not destined to be a you know we're we're not destined to live another fucking year. Like it's just it's highly it's likely, but like it's not. No one owes us that. The only like it's it's on us to work as hard as we fucking can to you know to push things forward, rather than rely on this idea that things are going to work out. And because because they might not, because we might be too late. And not just too late now, but like our rate of innovation is too slow to, you know, to catch us a second time or something. And it's, it's a hundred percent possible that we won't get there. Um, and, and that I mean, partially terrifies me and partially reminds me that, you know, we all need to be working our fucking asses off and, yeah. and contributing to, you know, to other working their asses off and, and that we're all in this together yeah. at the end of the day like we're trapped in this little fucking marble and like you know what what happens what happens to all of us happens to all of us yeah there is so much there's such a plethora of problems that we can all like um of an existential nature mind you that we should all every fucking government like put up competitions for <laughs> who can create the next nanotechnology that will yeah. capture that methane and will yeah. store it safely somewhere. You know, the, who will create the next, um, you know, gay bomb that we can drop on, you know, every country that's homophobic. <laughs> <laughs> um, whatever it is. All Eurovision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, I need to check that out. Um, <laughs> I think, I think, you know, it, it's just, it just seems like, you know, it's just, it, if only we were able to tilt our priorities in the yeah. right direction. And, and I wonder where that comes from. Does it, does it, is it a grassroots thing or is it something where like we have to gather all the world's leaders, put them on mushrooms and send them up on a spaceship uh, to just look at the <laughs> overview effect? And if that has a chance of working, I'd say to go for it. Yeah? <laughs> and my vote is in. Okay, all right. You know, it's, uh, someone out there needs to marry an oligarch, too. And, and marry that oligarch, get into one of their, like, secret parties, and then dose all of them with LSD. All the caviar just dose it with LSD. <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, hopefully, and hopefully we'll get a better world out of that. I... I could see that working. Yeah, hopefully. I could. Yeah, someone out there, come on, come on, you sexy motherfucker, <laughs> go marry that oligarch. You know. And don't forget the ass. And don't forget, better be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure it's mushroom, mushroom yeah. would be better for the change in consciousness of a oligarch. Empathy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Acid is more uh, connectedness, clear, yeah, and has more of a uh, yeah, it's, it's the more cerebral. It's definitely more cerebral, I think.
but yeah, that's all it takes, honestly. I think that's really that's all it takes. I think I think it's a good start. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because because um, then, but then let's get into it, like and really quickly. We'll start bringing things so close because uh, there's dinner out there waiting, and you, <laughs> you probably have shit to do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, come try for, for half an hour. And yeah, and now we're like at hour 48, 38. <laughs> um, with, you know, at what point is something mind-expanding, and when does it become brainwashing? Ooh, um, I would, I intend to play a role there. Uh. Um, you know, if you are, you know, if, if or I, I'd actually say, like, who is the, um, what 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 party is the primary benefactor? Mm. Um, is it you know is it the individual whose mind is being altered, um, or is it a third party? Um, yeah, of course. There's there's super uh, and like that gets like there's tons of gray right there. Like you know, let's say let's say we had a pill that made someone like him think twice as good, um, and uh, you know and and they took that and that's great and like. But let's say we had a pill with made a person think twice as good, but ten percent of those thoughts, you know, go towards you know special interest group, you know, whatever, um, like the Zorgon conspiracy or something, and you know, like that person is, you know, yeah, there's a net benefit to them, but there's a, there's a, you know, I don't, I don't know what light brainwashed light looks like, because um, I could see that being a, a successful model. Um, so I, I don't have, I don't have a, a the uh, the who benefits the qui bono thing like that uh, that felt clever in my mind but now I'm thinking about um, that's a hard fucking question. It is not it's not easy it's not easy yeah. because it's like uh, was it I think it was Jordan who told me that he's like you know you, you liberals <laughs> <laughs> mind you mind you I'm not a liberal. <laughs> I'm, I I don't give a fuck about those definitions. I I am who I am, but uh, but I do believe, yeah, that uh, of, of thinking about more altruistic and not altruistic, but thinking about big picture. Mm-hmm. You know, where are we going as a species? You yeah. know, and frankly, you know, how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And I think the best way to get there is by having everyone party the way that like, <laughs> like there is nothing else for humans to do for human beings to do in my opinion honestly like mm-hmm. I can't I will I don't think I've ever come across a person and I challenge that person to genuinely put put themselves out there that doesn't believe that humans aren't inherently made to be creators explorers and partiers right? <laughs> like that's the only three things the only three and mind you the only three jobs that I can imagine that once AI takes <laughs> over that's what we're basically all gonna do like explore create and party yeah, um, I'm up for that future. Me too. I think that's realizing our fullest potential. We sh- we should go that way. We sh- we ter- we certainly should. And I think the what the challenge is is communicating that. Yeah. And re- remind people in that that the future is around the corner. That like that you know the past it's fucking painful and we yeah, we shouldn't forget it because yeah. we don't want to make the same mistakes. But believe in the future like yeah. there, we, we have something to look forward to um, even though shit might be shitty right now mm-hmm. and hopefully it won't get worse knock on wood <laughs> um, but like you know it's uh, 
uh, yeah, we have to, we just have to believe. But where was I going on with this tangent? There was going to, there was going to take me place, a place that I don't remember now. Shit! <laughs> Man, it was going to be a good one. I was going to, uh, oh well. Brainwashing, better future. Better future. Humanity's uh, potential. Yeah, so, um, uh, the, how do we avoid the scenario where, like, some of the most horrible things are, have, end up happening by well-intentioned people, you know? Yeah, and that's that's the externalities question. That's um, I I I I would take mistakes made by good intentions over you know phrenology. Yeah, like I <laughs> I have a clear preference there, yeah. but I think that um that you know that that be, that the intentionality and like and and study is is always going to be really 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 important because there are you know. There are, are tons and tons and tons of scenarios where, like, you know, hey, we can like, you know, fix this problem by like introducing the species, and you know, it does it does fix that problem and then creates, you know, five new ones. And, um, you know, I I think that it's probably foolish to say that we'll, you know we'll build an AI that can fix the problems of a different AI. Um, I think that at some level, like, we always need humans in the loop with and humans with empathy. And humans who are looking, who are willing to sweat the details, mm-hmm. um, and I think being a part of that also, like you know, one one of the hugely most powerful things of you know, developments we've had. Well, I was going to say the last couple of years, but in the, I would say in the, in the history of our species is is the empowerment of smaller and smaller players and giving smaller and smaller players a voice because you know it's a reporting mechanism for where things are not working, mm-hmm. for where like there's you know. And, and you know, for what, when it's you know, whether that's based societal things like you know how we how we distribute wealth, like what relation, race relationships are like, or like, or if it's you know basic things like like hey, there's lead in my water, or like you know it's, it's cases that would you know and all the like the attention around like police violence, like that's a you know that's showing that like a lot of policing is not working, and you know we're able to catch these problems, or at least they have more visibility because people that that didn't have a voice before can have a voice amplified. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have finer resolution detail into the structure of society than ever before. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fucking shame we we don't act on that yet. Um, but I think you know that kind of individual empowerment um, is becomes more and more important mm-hmm. um, as society scales and as we as we automate more things. Um, just I hope that might be able to help. Hopefully, I mean, there, yeah, you know, we in, we're in a world where like it's much easier for uh, you know the 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 question is who watches the watchers? Yeah, you know, and now it's the watched that mm-hmm. have the ability to watch the watchers more than ever, right? <laughs> and I think, yeah, that is a can of worms that will take us hours to get <laughs> get get through. It's just it's just so it's all very complex. And then, and then, and the thing is, is I came from a family of like cops. Mm-hmm. Like like uh, and my my uncles would tell us stories about and they were cops in Nicaragua and they're like um, you know they would anti riot police and they would come and tell us about all these stories of like you know shooting up students with rubber bullets and gas grenades because these students were demanding for better education yeah that's all these dudes fucking wanted they just wanted yeah. an increase in the budget for education and they were met with rubber bullets and my uncle's kicks to the face. Yeah. And I think, um, and, 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 I, and, it's, and it's so crazy how 
you know, the, the state apparatus and the balance of power is so skewed on the side of the rich. And my, my thinking, you know, will, will be is going forward into the future, what will, what will the balance of power look like between AI that is more and more and more powerful um, as time goes on and the emergence of augmented humans, oligarchs that will all of a sudden have the power to augment their brains. And then you're going to have, you know, collective hive minds to try to maybe counterbalance that. And then you're going to have everybody else just trying to be normal, just be a normal human fucking being, right? That's the, those four entities, there's going to be a tug of war between, I mean, it's, just, it's coming. It's all yeah. coming. You know, and we didn't even start scratching the surface of, like, augmenting, augmenting humans. But Ray Kurzweil, that's all he's doing. Yeah. That's all he's fucking doing. He's got, you know, a, a whole of Google to, like, help him back, hit back and do that shit. Yeah. And I'm sure there's more people doing that. Now we all, yeah, because the value of doing that, you, it's immeasurable. Yeah. If all of a sudden you could become a thousand times more intelligent. Why? That's what that's what the devices around us are doing. Though. Like we are we are clumsily working our way towards augmentation. You know, when in, in, in augmentation again, that's going back to to release to reducing you know steps between thoughts and reality. Huh. And when we when we have a you know with with a phone. And the computer on that, like your your effective memory is expanded, your effective you know grasp of information is expanded. You know we're not at the point where you can you know, you know can you fly that helicopter? Not yet. Like <laughs> it's like it's not it's not there yet. But they, that's what that's the most effective tools are moving us towards that. You know an, an AR headset gives you more visual data. A VR headset gives you data of whatever the fuck you want. Like this is it, it's control over our own worlds, which translates into more control of the external world. Um, and I think a lot of, of the most valuable advances are us stumbling towards um, you know, a, an augmented existence in some ways. And like, because you know, augmented doesn't need to mean like implanted yeah. necessarily. It just means like how do we, how do we suck the most out of life? How do we make the, the most of 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 you know what it means to, to to be alive, to be a spark in the darkness, to be to be conscious, um, and and I think that's a noble goal to work towards. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it truly is. I mean, yeah, it's uh, how do we take control of our own minds as much as we can? You know, like if you if you look at uh, well, we've been sort of experimenting a little bit with transcranial direct current stimulation. Um, the TDCS devices and stuff like the the ones that you can put a I think it's a cathode to your left arm and an anode to your right temporal lobe and you mm-hmm. deliver two milliamps of electricity into your brain via this these these this this circuit and uh, if you do it wrong mm-hmm. so don't so make sure you research this shit uh, because you might get a heart attack like this <laughs> this dude yeah this dude got a heart attack but and in, in basic in what you do is you hook it up to the nine volt battery mm-hmm. and form a circuit that and uh, DARPA has been researching this shit and they released this out into the academic sphere and so the only way to find out about it right now is through obscure YouTube lectures mm-hmm. and I remember being hooked on it just trying to find out <laughs> as much as I can because Silicon Valley is the most competitive mo- because I mean how could it not be you're surrounded yeah. by the most intelligent most brilliant minds on the planet that realize like that's sh- that's where it's going down yeah all of it, that's it's going down over there I better get there and so you're surrounded by this these pool of like 
amazingly intelligent people, and I'm like, well, shit, I need to, you know, well, I'm not going to do Adderall, but I'll sure as fuck <laughs> try to, like, you know, pump my brain with electricity with the hopes that it'll increase my neuroplasticity or yeah. my, you know, my processing ability. I mean, like, if, if we were better at that, if we had, it, like, new and by the way, that worked. It's like, shown that it works. I will link you to all the articles and stuff. I love, like, and anything that can, that can, you know, advance the human condition, I am, I am so down for. Like, just so, like, that, that is, like, you, you're, like, anybody doing that work is doing, is doing good work. Um, and I, I would love to see more, more formalized research into it, yeah. more, you know, things deployed, because of the force multipliers of it, and it's, like the, the idea of you know technologies as a multiplier for our own abilities, so that, you know a multiplier of our intelligence of the human condition of our you know I, I don't even know what a multiplier of consciousness would look like, but you know that idea of it like that's that's mind blowing. That's something that I think that I, I want to work towards, and I I know there are people that feel differently, but I don't fully understand that. Yeah, well, uh, I'm glad we have people like you out here in the world. Um, Dan, do you have any last thoughts, any final comments before we bring things to a close? Um, I'm hopeful. I'm looking forward to the future. Good. So am I. <laughs> All right, brother. Good, good right, show. Yeah. Good shit, good man. Talk that you was good. a lot of fun. <laughs> Sweet. All right, so I'm just going to...